Hey everybody, welcome to the Jeff Macalino podcast. I have a great episode for you today with a very fun guest, Barry Lamanac. Uh One of the uh, most fun uh, times I've probably had recording. This was on a, a weird day for me, but I'm I'm starting to realize my whole life is, is I don't I don't know if it's weird in a good way, a bad way. I've had some uh, some odd uh, odd things over the past week, uh, probably that I shouldn't be putting on a podcast. So I uh, I won't, even though I I was on a podcast that is probably not out uh, yet. Uh, I think it'll be out in a couple weeks. Uh, with it's called "Don't Watch This Sober," and uh, I did admit on there that uh, Friday night I will admit to. Uh, Maybe drinking a little too much, so much so that I set off my home security alarm and the police responded. So there was that, but uh, I'm here. I'm alive. Uh, the police were very nice, and I do apologize for the uh, mistake. Um, it wasn't really a busy night, it didn't seem, so maybe they had a nice break in the action to just check my ID and have to have me vouch that I was not being held hostage. Uh, yeah, so let's not do that again, Jeffrey. Uh, yeah, so Friday was a fun night. <clears throat> Yesterday, I, uh, I had a great time out on a boat. It's been a while since I've been boating. Uh, so it's a, it's not a bad life I live down here in Florida. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> struggling through my day one of the one of my favorite things is i i talked to one of my buddies earlier uh one of my other friends who was out with me until about 6 a.m uh saturday night slash sunday morning and he asked my buddy Did, have you heard from jeff and my friend said i told him jeff's not a human he's probably been up since 10 a.m he's a machine i'm like yeah yeah that's me <laughs> so anyways uh, enjoy this episode with me and Barry. I'll talk to you more about him in one second before I get him on. I'm uh, also happy to bring a couple of sponsors into the mix. One uh, is coming shortly, and I'll uh, tell you about them uh, once I uh, have a conversation with them and uh, get to know them a little better. So looking forward to that. But also, uh, let me tell you about Pure Hemp Botanicals. You know me. You know I like hemp, right? The poster boy for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pure Hemp, hemp ooh, easy for me to say, Pure Hemp Botanicals has been crafting pure CBD products since 2015. Their growing customer base alludes to their quality of their products and their customer service. They have full-spectrum tinctures, broad-spectrum tinctures, vegan, vegan soft gels, incredible body care lotions pure hemp botanicals and if you are going to purchase from them please go down to the link in the show notes and click on it there so they know that you got there from the jeff macalino podcast and uh you know that would help me out too. help yourself to some uh hemp products and uh help me with a little uh little you know little kudos from the new sponsor uh, so Barry and I, Barry has a real awesome life and career uh, that I'm 
envious of. He is a stand-up comedian, very funny. Uh, you can check out a lot of his stuff on YouTube. He uh, did record, we talk about this, he did record a dry bar special as well that is not out yet. Um, but be on the lookout for that. I'll certainly uh, be letting everyone know on all my social medias when that does come out so you can enjoy that. Um, he also has a sports show, a uh, sports and entertainment show that he does daily. Um so those are kind of my favorite things, comedy and sports. And we just had a good time uh, talking, um, you know, about the uh, interesting day I had had prior to uh, recording this podcast with Barry and uh, had a good time. So I hope you enjoy it half as much as I did. Here it is, me and Barry Laminack. All right, everyone. I am now super happy to welcome Barry Laminack to the Jeff Macalino podcast. Barry, how are you? What's up, Jeff? How are you, man? I'm good. I am. Uh, I'm doing great. I got are, my... you? are you? <laughs> are you? Are you? I'm a little yeah. pre-show warm up. Uh, are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I am now. Okay. Okay. I am now. I went. Um, so so I went to uh, uh, get an oil change today. Uh, I, I won't say the name of the place, but this was at 11 a.m. I scheduled this thing. You're supposed to be in and out in 30 minutes. Uh, it's right next to a shopping mall, which is fun because you remember malls? <laughs> yeah, those were a thing, right? In the <laughs> 90s? Yeah, they, they still, some still exist. It's like Amazon in real life, except for, you know, there's no search bar and everything costs four times as much money. <laughs> um, and I, walking around the mall, I also am looking at other people like, oh, don't these people have anything better to do today? And I'm like, Don't oh, these people have jobs. Yeah, I'm here too. <laughs> I always do that on the road when I'm driving at like one in the afternoon. I'm like, what do you people do for a living? And I'm like, oh yeah, I don't have a job either. So these are my people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But they, they, after an hour and a half, I've walked the whole mall. I bought a few, bought a few things and they call me and say, hey, your lug nuts are stripped. We need to replace them. I'm like, is that no. my problem? Sounds like you rotating my tires, maybe. <laughs> That's a you problem. Regardless of that, they're like, well, it's going to be about 90 minutes. I'm like, great. Oh. So uh, I decide after consulting with a uh, one-legged homeless veteran who lives at the mall. Oh. It was a, oh. My spirit guide, basically, for my journey okay. today. He's like, you should go grab a drink. There's a place that sells beer <laughs> for two bucks each. I'm like, okay i'll go that way and then i'm more of a whiskey drinker than a beer drinker i see chilies i'm like we're just gonna we're just gonna start hitting the crown of gingers early so uh i had a few of those while i waited for my car to be done and uh yeah that's been the the the, the short version of my day so this is not my the, first drink <laughs> that's a good life you're living there young man i uh cheers to you uh yeah if you can be if you can be three sheets to the wind by, I don't know, five, six o'clock, you're doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, uh, I said, it's, it's kind of podcast show prep, you know, I, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be watching a bunch of your YouTube videos. Instead, I was sitting at a chili's <laughs> drinking and making excuses you, as to why I was drinking so early. <laughs> you made the right choice by not watching my videos and instead drinking. Good call on that. You know, you're, you're much, you're in a much better place. 
Yeah, well, in fairness, there's a decent chance I would have ended up just drinking at home while watching the video. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel I'm just not one of those people who's going to sit at a bar, hold out my phone, and watch YouTube videos. That's not nah, my style. <laughs> I get that. I get that. So, but thank you for having a beverage with me. You're you're drinking yeah. at a in an adult appropriate time. So yes, that is correct. It's uh yes, I'm a grown grown man, and uh, yeah, I got me a little Crown Royal Black, some Diet Coke because that's how I roll. I uh, want to feel good and look good, so it's Crown and Diet. Uh, yes, yeah, and of course I have some shots of Fireball if we need to do shots like a white girl. <laughs> <laughs> so you know. Oh God, I, I, I happened to uh, go through my divorce while Fireball was like super popular. So I think I did 18 times a, a lifetime's worth of Fireball <laughs> shots because that was, that was the shot. Yeah. It was like, oh God, I hate this. It doesn't taste good. It burns a little bit. Unless you mixed it with rum chata and did the cinnamon toast. Yeah, I tell you what, though, to me, just straight fireball is pretty tasty. You don't you don't like it? It's, I did. I like it. And then I did so much of it there. I, I actually was shown a picture, uh, actually a video. Uh, I don't remember this, but I was on someone's boat and I was chugging out of the bottle. Uh, oh, that'll that'll do it. Yeah, I think that'll I just overdid it. I, I think yeah. it's just now just reminds me of me bad memories. When I was. When I was eight years old, um, I got, I, I used, I believed in the Easter bunny until I was like 14. It was way too long. It was far too long, but like at eight, I got, uh, for one Easter, my mom got me this huge chocolate rabbit. Like it was like a, like a two foot chocolate rabbit. And I ate that whole some bitch in like three hours and I threw up and I'm pretty sure I gave myself diabetes at eight and, uh, I never wanted to eat chocolate. Literally, I couldn't. I couldn't look at chocolate. I would get sick. So I get that. I get that. You see, like, uh, you see a, a shot of Fireball, and immediately you're, <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. That's how I am. Show me a pack of M and M's. I have a flashback to eight, and it's bad. I, I have that with uh, tequila as well. That that actually, I I once had a really bad stomach ache, and I just needed to throw up. So I'm just like. Just give me a shot of tequila. It will make it. I'll do it. <laughs> do it instantly. I'm, I'm a weird bird. I can literally shoot anything. I mean, I'm, don't get, give me like a shot of urine, but I can like, <laughs> you know, like any any alcoholic beverage. It's not going to be great, but for some reason, I'm like a machine in that regard. I can shoot whatever you put in front of me. I'm not I'm not afraid. Let's do it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm going to enjoy it, but I'll do it. Super. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm somewhat jealous of that because I have a... Uh, I don't think I had this when I was younger, but I have now like a an instant. Like I can barely swallow pills. I just start have a gag instant, a gag reflex. Not listen, to get man. too personal, but listen, you know what? It's you know, listen. There's other ways to please your. Never mind. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to start on that. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's okay. You know, it's uh, no one's judging you. If you were somebody's wife, maybe, but or husband, you might be judged. That's 2022. You can't just single out wives now, I guess. That's that's true. Uh, we'll cut all this out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We'll fix yeah, that. We'll I, clean that up and post. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'll make a mark here in, in, in all seriousness. <laughs> Barry made it awkward. Because, at, uh, <laughs> no. You curse on this, no. by the way? Do you oh, curse? yeah. Is, yeah. Anything okay. goes. Yeah. All no, right, I was going to say, is this a clean show? Do I need to, like, is this church friendly? 
No, are no. We, are we going to talk about Jesus for an hour? I don't know what's happening. I mean, if you want to talk about Jesus, we can go no, down that rabbit hole. But never met end. the guy. Never met the guy. <laughs> really, living in Texas, I think you'd need a lot of Jesus. <laughs> well, now there's that. There's that for sure. Yeah. Um. See, this is this is where drinking during the day gets you in podcasting. You're already. <laughs> um, well, Barry, let's talk about you a little bit. Okay. Um, All right. You have, uh, I reached out to you mainly because it, it's, it's like, you've got the, uh, the, the gigs that, that I want kind of, Oh snap! <laughs> I mean, you, you do stand up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you've got sports shows, uh, there in Houston. We'll talk about all that. Um, yeah. what, when did you get started in stand up? Golly, you know, I got into stand up and radio about the same time, 2013, Uh, I had lost my job and I was sitting at home by myself while my wife was out being the man of the house and uh, uh, the woman of the house and earning a living and taking care of me and the cats. And uh, she, I had nothing to do. So I was just popping Ritalin and being depressed. And uh, which is weird that Ritalin would make you depressed, but it did for some reason. Anyways, I digress. Uh, I was like, you know, I had always wanted to be a stand-up comedian since I was eight years old. I watched Bill Cosby himself, and I realized, oh, I do that all the time to kind of compensate for all the tor- turmoil in our family. I make everybody laugh. You know, that's my that's what I do. And I was like, I could do that. So I always wanted to be a stand-up comic, but it wasn't until I was 38 with no job and an amazing wife when I was like, you know, I think I'll try it. I guess I really never really like, you know, truly pursued it. It was just one of those. I always wanted to do it, but I never was sitting around. I was like, I wonder what it would take to start. And then uh, I about that same time I had ended up getting a job in radio, which is another whole long story on how I got it. But I ended up on the radio and making friends with a guy who knew a stand up comedian. One thing led to another. We introduced we got we became friends and I just kind of started doing it. And I asked him, I got some great advice from him. Uh, he and I are like best friends now. John Westling is his name. He's a great comedian. When I first started, uh, I said, John, I, I want to be a comic. And he goes, cool. Come back. Once you go up 10 times, I was like, well, just tell me what I need to do to get started. He's like, yeah, go on stage, do comedy 10 times and then come back to me. Cause if I start telling you stuff now, it's like cooking rice. If you take the lid off too soon, you run the rice. I don't even know if you're going to do this 10 times before you quit. So go do 10 sets. And then, and I was like, okay. And you know, at 38, it's different when you tell somebody 28 or 18 that, but at 38, I was determined. So I was like, all right. So I went and did my 10 sets. And uh, it took, you know, six, eight weeks and they came back. He's like, okay. So we started talking comedy. Uh, But it's one of those, you know, I mean, if you've done comedy for any length of time, it's one of those things where the, the, the folks that aren't dedicated enough to, to bomb and, and die a slow death on stage over and over you, you weed them out pretty quick. You know, you gotta have, you gotta have tough skin and a, and a, I don't know, a, 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 a mindset to succeed if you're going to do comedy. So that's how you, I guess, weeds people out. But yeah, that was, that was 2013. And uh, here I am still going. Nice. Yeah. And I like that you were uh, later to the game because I'm someone who started doing open mics last year uh, at age oh, nice. 34. So I was yeah slightly younger than you. I know that's, that's a, a good piece of advice because I, I kind of had a similar thing with get up on stage I had some good shows that now I listen to and I'm like, that was, that was terrible. It was just a mm-hmm. good audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I, I bombed several times as well. And, uh, and then I, at the end of the year, I, I've, I'm just starting to kick things back up because I'm like, all right, now I've done it. Now I need to go back, look at what worked, what didn't work, start, go back, start writing better. So I, I think uh, comedy is a cruel business, dude. It's a cruel, it's a cruel bitch. Uh, she will, it's the most rewarding and the most depressing thing you'll do in your life. You know what I mean? From week to week, from show to show, from you can, I've, I've always, the thing I love most about comedy is also the thing I hate most about comedy. And it's that if you, if whenever you start to feel like you got it figured out, comedy is going to let you know you don't. Yeah, you you might be you might be on a string of just killing man i have i haven't i've killed last 10 shows and then you start feeling that and then you go out and you're gonna just eat shit and bomb for 45 minutes on stage and boy that'll really bring you back down to reality even if you've been doing it nine years so it's a it's one of those things where comedy can be very self-correcting very self-correcting yeah and i i learned uh the the biggest lesson i learned is don't don't get too caught up in it. Uh, don't get too caught up in your feelings because, wow. you know, I've, I've done jokes that like, you know, I've, I, you know, nine times just crushed great reaction. The 10th time I, I, you know, I did the delay for applause kind of thing. Crickets. <laughs> and it's like, well, I know that joke works. So you're just bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, that's, that's an interesting uh, thing that you say because, I think we all do that, right? We're like, well, that was a bad crowd. And there are some people that will tell you there are bad crowds. And, you know, if you do a joke enough and you know, okay, this joke is funny. It works 99% of the time. And then you do it once and it doesn't work. You, you, it might be the crowd. It could be the timing. It could be something happened that you, you don't really know. But there's that times when it doesn't work. But I, I, I read a quote from Chris Rock about crowds. And this is especially true for newer comics. I think we tend to do this early on like now i'm just like if i don't have a good set it was my fault I, and i truly believe that no matter what kind of crowd because i think you get to a point in your career when you've done it almost a decade where you're like if i can't make this crowd laugh it's my fault because right. i've done every kind of crowd i've done well in front of every kind of crowd so there's no reason why i shouldn't uh but chris rock had a had a quote where he said if you don't give the crowd credit when you kill don't blame them when you bomb. I was like, Ooh, and I, I read that pretty early on. And I was like, ah, that made a lot of sense to me. You know, like you can't tell somebody 20 years old in the comedy game that they're like, ah, that doesn't make sense. But at 38, having been through corporate America for 20 years, like that makes a ton of sense to me. So it really kind of helped reset what I was doing and how I looked at set to set. And it, the, the crazy thing is, man, comedy is such a marathon. It's like, there's really no end there's no end game, right? There's no, you can't, there's no finish. There's no checkbox where you say, all right, mission accomplished because every set is new. You constantly write new jokes. So there's never really, there's no end game. You just do comedy. It's so weird. Right. Well, and, and you know what I love about it though is, and I got some renewed vigor today, really, because I was sitting at that Chili's and you know what I was doing? I was writing jokes. jokes on my phone. <laughs> I'm like, there you go. I got to see so many weird things today. But it's just like, all right, and that's a that's a, for example, at one point I pulled a shirt off the rack, I held it up, and I'm like, who is possibly that big? What size is this? Oh, it's two XL. That's what I wear. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, moment, moment of self realization. Check, right? <laughs> yeah, Whew, I didn't realize I was that big. Okay, <laughs> yeah. now I know how other people see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, see, and that's the beautiful thing, man. That's the 
that's the one thing I do love about comedy is when you get an inspiration for a joke, which for me, my first year, I, oh, I just, I wrote all the time, you know, the first couple of years, every thought that pops into your head, you should write it down and you should try to craft a joke from it and take it to the stage. But the cool thing too, is once you start to kind of figure out who you are on stage, a lot of, you'll hear a lot of people, Oh, once you find your voice, I don't know when that happens. It's different for everybody. But I don't think there's necessarily finding your voice. I think there's figuring out, oh, this will work and this won't. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing. Like I can write a joke now and know, yeah, this is going to work. This will be funny. And then just you don't have to go and workshop it as much because you trust yourself. You, you, you've been through the process enough. But there's still something magical about realizing. Like when you said you're standing at the rack, you hold up the shirt, you see the sign and you don't really know how to describe it. But in your mind, you just kind of all of a sudden go, oh, my God, I'm gonna do this on stage. This is going to be funny. This is a joke. Like you just develop. It's, yeah, that's such a cool thing about comedy that a lot of other people don't get to experience. Like when a joke happens and you capture it, oh, it's a beautiful thing. Well, it's it's also it's an interesting mental mindset too. when someone else could have been in that same scenario and like got really depressed about it. And I yeah. literally no one around me just started laughing to myself. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm this yeah. fat and gross. <laughs> and well, um, again, other people, maybe, you know, mentally healthy, <laughs> sane people would have been like, "Ooh, I need to reevaluate my life. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got some great advice, too, uh, from a guy who doesn't know shit about comedy. <laughs> and uh <laughs> he told me i was like i'm gonna die he goes bro you got like 10 minutes of fat jokes don't do that your 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 fat jokes are hilarious yeah look fat comics man that's uh you got a whole extra lane to, to to write jokes in i mean i'm not skinny by any stretch but uh yeah i was like oh i gotta stay fat just for the material that's that's how comics think Right. Yes. Like, I'm like, I could go on a diet or I could keep this 10 minutes and write 10 more. <laughs> well, yeah. It, and that was a bit I was working on, too, is that, it, you know, uh, was about being fat. And then it's like, God, if I did lose like 60 pounds, I would need to get rid of all of my self-deprecating no, no. shit. And just here's what happened. So I was I was 225 at one point. I walk around about 200 now and I got down to. 160 at one point i was like all right i want to see my dick again i'm in it i'm gonna do this i want my wife to want me i'm in, I'm in it and I, I literally went from 225 to 160 and when you're 160 uh you can't get on stage and tell fat jokes you just you know i'm 510 so 510 160 i don't no, look fat the fat jokes um, are punching down at that point <laughs> yeah but what, what what i learned is you can say anything on stage if you let the crowd know you have the you, you you you're excused right if you give the crowd so what i would say is man you guys i i used to be i used to walk around at 200 i've lost you know whatever it was 65 pounds and then they oh that's so you know you get the cheap applause break and oh thank you yeah i used to be fat and then i would do 10 minutes of fat jokes and that's really the difference between the material is just instead of just going being fat and just telling fat jokes because they go, oh, yeah, this checks out. He's fat, fat jokes. OK, you know, instead of that, now you just go, I used to be fat. And then you do all your fat jokes. So you never need to get rid of them. You just got to let them know. I wrote these at a time when I hated myself and I ate my feelings. Yeah, And and, and, and I, I'll put another mark on the tape for myself. I can't be the first person to make the joke. You can just identify you can be trans fat. 
<laughs> See, there's all kinds of fat. Yeah, trans fat. Yeah, exactly. I identify as fat when it's, you know, beneficial to me. I still write fat jokes. I'm not that fat, but I feel fat. So, you know, fat can be a state of mind, too, I think. Everybody's I do fat think, is different, right? Yeah, once once you're fat, you should just get the stamp of approval that you're you've been fat. You know what it's like. Exactly. You, you know, you 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 get a if, get away, if you've ever if you've car. ever looked at yourself in the mirror naked and went, Jesus, like then you're good. <laughs> you're 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 you get the check mark. You can make fat jokes on stage. You're okay. Yeah. There's yeah. some people that don't. They look and they go, yeah. I don't I've never thought that in a, for shit since I was 18. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I now in fairness, I've looked in the mirror some mornings and said, Jesus, and it hasn't been because I was fat. It was like, what did I do yesterday? <laughs> oh, wow. Now that's a whole other category. Yeah. 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 No, I, I look in the mirror in shame quite often. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's uh, that's like a pastime in this house. Of course. That's, I, I'm not checking my hair. I'm not doing anything. You, <laughs> shaming yourself. Yeah, that's okay. yeah, I'm just shaming myself. And, and you are definitely other... a comic if you hate yourself. There's, yeah, it's kind of the requirement. It's on the it's on the card. When you get your comedy card, it says certain things you have to you have to loathe and hate yourself. You have to hate your family. Yeah, there's certain <laughs> things you have to check off. Yeah, the the only other thing I do in the mirror is lift my arms up over my head to see if my shirt's long enough to cover my belly. Oh, that's a good that's, one. Yeah, that's a that's, that's a another thing that that uh, you I, know didn't have to used to worry about that, but now it's I, like you reach from the top shelf and you, you oh, you don't want that gut hanging out. Another thing I learned is I had to. Uh, this is kind of a, a well, I mean, this is a pro tip really for life. But I when I realized I didn't really know I was fat. You know, nobody was like, "Hey, you're gross." Like, what are you doing? Uh, I just remember one day I took off my boxers and I was like, "Why does the band still imprinted into my?" waist like holy shit these underwear are so tight even on the legs like and then they were boxers i was like god damn i've these boxers are tight like biker shorts that's a that's a dead giveaway i was like okay i'll probably if you have the band and you're fat yeah it's time yeah that was that was my that was my moment mine is uh when you just wear slightly looser clothes and people say did you lose some weight it's like like, oh, it's three XL. Yeah. <laughs> XL, just baggy, just uh, it's the cut. I just got bigger clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's not the greatest feeling. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's good times. Uh, so you you not only uh, oh, I did want to ask you because I saw on your website you said you you recorded a uh, dry bar. Yeah. So, uh, it's weird how that happened. That was like, cause I'm not a clean comic. I, I curse a lot right. and, um, I, but I can work clean and I, 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 I didn't develop that muscle early and, and advice to all new comic. I don't want to say young cause you know, you got in at 34, I got in at 38. So it's really about being inexperienced and new. Uh, definitely. And you hear it a lot, but I can, I can testify to it. Definitely learn how to work clean early. I'm not telling you, you have to work clean. I'm just saying, learn how to write clean jokes, uh, because I, it did afford me more opportunities. Like for example, being here in Houston, we have the Houston improv. Um, and a lot of times comics will come to town who want a clean opener. And if you're not headlining yet, you're not big enough to headline the improvs. 
you know, you get that chance. And so the improv called me one day. I was like, Hey, can you come do 15 clean in front of Jeff Allen? And I was like, yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know who Jeff Allen was. I, I just don't, I don't watch a lot of comedy. So um, I was like, yeah, I can, I can do 15 clean in front of him. And I did really well. And Jeff was like, dude, I would take you on the road, but it just doesn't pay enough. I was like, I get it. Cause you know, he's just, he needs an MC for 15 minutes. Then he does an hour in the show. His crowd is an older crowd. I think the show was like 630 or seven. It was super early. Um, but he goes, but you're, you're very funny and it's hard to find somebody that can do that. Well, opening a show and doing clean. He said, have you ever considered doing dry bar? I was like, no, I never, never thought about doing dry bar. He's like, you should, you should definitely do dry bar. So he said, I'll have my agent call you and he'll get in touch with you and, and get you hooked up with dry bar. If you want to do it. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, my stupid ass, this is how a comic, this is how like a dumbass comic thinks. I was like, oh, that'd be a good tape. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, what do you want? I was like, well, that would be good for submissions to other stuff. That's just how my dumb ass was thinking. But, uh, and so, and also, I mean, I've been in enough green rooms with enough um, comics that promise shit where it was like, okay. Like I had John Witherspoon. Uh, I, I opened for, I featured for him once and he was like you ever worked the charlotte improv or some crazy shit i was like no he's like man you need to work the charlotte improv he's like i'm there next week i'm gonna tell him about you all right he said no i'm there in a month that's my next gig i'm gonna tell him about you and you should definitely be at least featuring at the charlotte improv i was like all right cool john thank you and then he died two weeks later so <laughs> empty promises i mean if you're gonna get out of it there's other ways you know what i mean but uh, no, nah, rest in peace to John Witherspoon. Great man. Great and funny dude. But that's always been kind of my luck and how things have gone. People promise it and they just don't do it. So when Jeff was telling me, oh, I'll have my agent call you. I'm like, ah. well, then like a month later, I get a call or an email out of nowhere from Jeff Allen's agent. He was like, hey, Jeff said you would be a great candidate for dry bar. I was like, okay. So he says, send me some tapes of you working <laughs> clean. I was like, ooh, fuck. So I had a 10 minute video that I had recorded uh, I opened for George Wallace here in Houston at the improv during a Super Bowl show did 10 minutes clean. So I had that video. So I sent that. And then I had a, I had like a three minute joke that I did where I said shit four times in three minutes. And then, but that was the only, and I beeped them. And I don't know why. Is that the grocery mind, store was, one? Yeah. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> this is clean enough. I'm like, Oh fuck. It's dry bar. This is never going to fly. Cause they're like, mormon clean which is a whole new level of clean. right you can't even talk about drinking and stuff no so i send that and i'm like there's no way i'm gonna get this but i fucking got it they i don't know how i guess i don't know if the agent was like ah jeff vouches for him because jeff is like the one of the top viewed comics on dry bar so i think it was more because of his vouch than my videos that i ended up getting to go out there and shoot a special and it was amazing and it was a lot of fun. They treat you like a rock star. They're great. Uh, but it was the most nerve wracking. Um, and, and, and honestly, it was a great experience and a horrible experience all at the same time. Because, go ahead. Well, I, yeah, no, I've, I've heard they treat you better than anybody else is, mm -hmm. is going to treat mm -hmm. you. Um, I'm, I'm curious, do they like want your material ahead of time for review and no they, they don't they don't they don't tell you what you can what jokes you can and can't do what they do do is they tell you all right so there's clean 
And then there's Provo, Utah clean. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And that's a whole other level of clean. Like they tell you, you know, don't talk about drugs. Don't talk about, um, don't take the Lord's name in vain. And like, even if you're on stage, you're like, yeah, it was so hot. I was like, Jesus, it's hot out here. Oh, you do that. You might as well just like talk about fisting nuns. Like if you just, (laughs) I was like, oh no. So I can't like pretty much everything I do on stage. They were like, yeah, don't do that. I was like, what the fuck am I going to (laughs) do for 25? And they, they used to do 45 minute sets. It used to be a, a, a full headliner set, but they can't find enough people to do 45 clean and not offend all 400 white people in Provo, Utah, or however many are there, whatever it is. So I was like, mm. so it, what, they send you a, a, a video that goes over everything you basically shouldn't do. And I mean, it is a laundry list of shit. Don't talk about drugs. Don't talk about sex. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't talk about the Lord. Don't talk about religion. Don't talk about politics. Don't talk about race. I'm like, all right, guys, I got like three fucking minutes of shit I can talk about. Like, I, I go up there and tell you about my cats for three minutes. What the fuck are we doing? And uh, but I was like, you know, so I, I I'm like, OK, I, I worked for like I had a month. So I worked on, on cleaning up a, a 25 minutes worth of material, which I already had. I had done 50 clean for like a nursing home. So I was like, I can do it. I just don't know how funny it's going to be. So I really worked on it. And, uh, and when I got there, I, I tell you, man, it was so in my head that I don't, I didn't do as good as I normally would think I would, uh, as I normally do, because literally while I'm on stage the whole time, I'm thinking, don't say Jesus, don't say Jesus, don't say Jesus. I mean, that's literally all I was thinking and it kind of fucked with me. And, uh, so yeah, if you're not used to it, which is again, why I go back to the earlier advice learn how to work clean and do it comfortably because if you get opportunities like that you want to be able to do it now they said i did great they were like oh no you killed i was like ah that didn't feel like killing to me but there's a i guess there's provo clean and provo kill and uh, <laughs> a regular clean and a regular kill well they're know, they're a dry audience too i mean that's got oh, man <laughs> i mean i did one joke right i don't know i say something about oh i talk about being in an interracial marriage because i am my wife is uh hispanic and I'm white and I do a joke where I just say, you know, people don't give you credit if there's not a black person involved. They're like, that's not interracial <laughs> and uh, fucking nothing. They were just like, <laughs> and I'm like, it's not even dirty. You dumb bitches. It's fine. And then I think I said something, I, uh, the joke ends where I was like, it's not, it's not true though. We are completely different cultures. I'm white. She seasons her food and they didn't <laughs> fucking move. And I was like, really? That's, that's just, that joke's just for the black people. There's none here tonight. <laughs> and fucking, oh, they were hating me. I was like, oh God, this is going so bad. But there's a point too, where you're just like rebellious as a comic. So I was like, I want to make these white people as uncomfortable as I can. So I'll try. <laughs> I, actually, I, I struggle sometimes because some of my jokes are, uh, they, they come off at a quick glance like they may be racist, mm-hmm. but they're actually the opposite. They're actually pointing out the, you know, I make a, without going into it, I make a joke where I say so a blackboard's worth only three fifths as much as a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. That's not racist. That's pointing out there's, that's actually pointing out historical racism. If you think about it, that's not, you know, 
it, it is it well uh, and i'll say this it's the nuance of the setup it depends on how right. you set that joke up right like then that's that's the crazy thing about comedy a lot of people don't realize people think oh comedy is just you go up you you tell a joke i mean there's nuance in the setup that like we said earlier kind of allows you to get away with that joke as opposed to just because if you just say if you just oh, yeah. say <laughs> a blackboard is worth three fifths as much as a whiteboard people are like fuck you <laughs> well but if you set it up properly and talk about yeah you know everything in this yeah you know, if you it, it's all in the setup really yeah it's, the punchline is meant for the laugh but you the excuses are in the setup yeah it, it's it, it's funny enough the those kind of jokes if i have enough black people in the audience they work if it's all white everyone's got that that white guilt like i'm not laughing oh, at that trust me i have several jokes i do a joke <laughs> where uh, um i talk i do uh, during my fat jokes when i do 10 minutes of fat jokes the way i i do this last joke and it kind of makes people uncomfortable and i go look i get it i get it i used to you know i i understand this is how it's like i'll break the fourth roll and i kind of act like i'm just talking i'm like look i get it this this is how comedy works like i have to tell you guys i used to be fat before i do those jokes because otherwise y'all are like this guy's an asshole just <laughs> up here making fun of fat people and they kind of all i was like anyway so i used to be black and uh <laughs> and fuck you just see them and they get it but then it's all like holy shit at the same time it fucks with them but that's kind of the the fun of that right like that's the you know who, who, what white guy's gonna get up on stage and be like i used to be black yeah you're not gonna do that <laughs> But it's that nuance of I used to be fat. So, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's it, the fun side of comedy, man. <clears throat> making people a little bit uncomfortable. I think that's my favorite part of it. Yeah. It's just like, and, and then the, uh, I, I did notice because one of, again, one of my jokes, the, the laughter in the beginning is like dull. And then I just don't say anything for five to 10 seconds. And I, I wish I was video recording it because I knew I made a face that then this, the laughter just one of my greatest laughs came after oh. I just stopped and just gave him a look. Just a face. Dude, yeah. <laughs> I, I try to tell young comics that because like <clears throat> I struggle with that as a newer comic. I struggle with silence. I, I was one of those. I'm a high energy guy on stage. I always want to be talking, filling the void with words that are going to make you laugh. And it really was difficult for me to learn that there's a lot better laughs in silence. A lot of times, not all the time. But there can be just as good, I should say, laughs in the in the silence, in a facial expression, in a look, uh, as opposed to the words. And that took a that took me, you know, five or six years to get comfortable with silence on and that's doing headlining sets. I mean, I was <clears throat> I was emceeing at clubs my first year, and then I was featuring within, within year two. So I moved up really quick. Yeah. So I was headlining by year four and wow. b rooms and stuff and so it was but so you're still learning the gig like you're funny enough but you're still learning comedy and so i would just 45 minutes just non-stop and then i started to get comfortable now when my closer i have like i'll sit there for 30 45 seconds which for people listening they're like 30 seconds is nothing stand on stage in dead silence for 30 seconds it feels like an eternity and but if you can it, once you learn how to use that to your advantage man it's, oh, it's such a beautiful thing to just if you can get laughs without saying anything oh that's the best that's the best 
Yeah, no, that that's uh, for for people who haven't been on stage, I would say what you think is 30 seconds, what feels like 30 seconds is probably about one second in real time. Yeah, it feels, yeah it's about the same. Yeah. So 30 seconds is about a decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, boy, it's a uh, it's an eternity in dead ass silence. And usually we learn that. But first, when we're bombing, when things are going bad and you don't remember your next joke and you're just like, what do I say next? And everybody in the crowd hates you. And you're just like, fuck. And there's like 10 seconds that goes by, but it'll feel like 10 minutes. It really does. It's awful. Yeah. I, I, I've talked many times on my podcast about the very first time I did an open mic, I made the stupid mistake of telling a few people. Uh-huh. So out of the non-comics at this open mic, there were nine of them and six of them were family and friends. Don't do that. And I had a set up, I had a set up joke that I thought was an easy I made the very rookie mistake of thinking a good premise was a good punchline. And also these six people were not like comedy club goers. They were just people who liked me. So, you know, they didn't even give me a courtesy chuckle when I hit an (laughs) obvious punchline, dead silence. And it's like, like, this sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to comedy. Oh, yeah. That is one piece of advice to anybody just starting, if you're listening to this, do not take family and friends to your first open mic. In fact, if my advice would be don't even take them to your first paid show, your first gig. Wait until you're really good at it. And you'll know when you're good at it because you didn't quit. <laughs> that's, just, that's the truth. I mean, you if you're if you're still doing it a year or two in and you're getting laughs consistently and not not the laughs that you hear in your head a lot of comics will do that i don't understand that i've never have but comic will get off stage and they'll be cocky like you just watch this comic eat shit for five minutes at an open mic or some bullshit showcase show and they get off stage and they're like fuck yeah and you're like what the fuck did you just what did you hear? They're like, and then you see them on Facebook. They're like, I killed last night. And I'm like, no, bitch, I was there. You <laughs> bombed. What do you, what laughs are you, what ghost phantom laughs are you hearing out there? And that's a real thing, man. There's a lot of bad comics that hear laughs that don't exist. So comedy is all about self-awareness, man. It's, a, it's about knowing yourself and being honest with yourself. But yeah, once you get to a certain point, then bring your family and friends out. Don't yeah. don't squander it too soon because what happens is they see you up there eating shit and struggling. And they're like, "This is this is no fun. I don't want to come back to this." And they'll never come back to another show. They'll have a reason not to go. No, well, so I I did send uh, my second and maybe fourth or fifth show I recorded. I sent that to all the people. I'm like, "See, I'm funny. It was just a bad set <laughs> because I I got laughs in these. So here, look." And, yeah. and now I won't release my stand-up recordings to anyone ever again, but I was just like, I need to send a couple out to let people know. Yeah, I'm I got to let them know. <laughs> I'm See, not horseshit at this. Yeah. You guys just came to a bad show. I don't suck. Like, yeah, no, that's a, that's a thing. Well, the, the funny thing is those two recordings that I sent, I've listened to them because there are good premises in there, but there are good premises in there. I had good audiences <laughs> that laughed. <laughs> at the idea that I was kind of put, I had a couple of punchlines, but, and there's, it's workable material if I actually add punchlines to it, but I'm like, Oh my God, I was awful. They just were laughing. It's like, Dude, good, I, like you said er, earlier, it's a good audience. They carried me through. <laughs> yeah. I do I have the first time I ever went on stage still recorded. I have it. And oh, 
It's cringeworthy. And people are like, oh, we want to see it. I'm like, hell no. I'm not letting you see that shit. Are you crazy? You respect me right now. I'm not letting you not respect me as a comic later. No, hey, no. I, I do as well. And I I think I've said, like, when, I'm, when I've got my third Netflix special going up, I'll release that. Because then I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did actually. It's funny because I feel like I did something wrong because you always hear about people bombing, right? You're always like, oh, you're going to bomb your first time, your first 10 times. You're not going to. You're going to. And I, I didn't bomb. Like, I was getting laughs. There wasn't that many. It was a mostly comic open mic. There was like three in the audience that work comics. Right. But I had those three laughing. I had the comics laughing. I wasn't crushing. I wasn't, but I didn't bomb. And I was like, uh, something doesn't, you know, like you, I, I almost feel like if I didn't bomb, I didn't do it right. But it, it, it was better than it should have been. But when I look at what I do now versus nine years ago, oh, it's so embarrassing. So embarrassing. Yeah, that and, and that's the one thing when people are like, send me, send me the recordings. I'm like, every comic who has done anything has said the stuff I did my first, yeah. you know, one to three years, sometimes five years, even they've said is so embarrassing that if it, that was out in public, it would ruin my career. I'm like, I don't oh, yeah. think it would, but but still, I, I, mm. I've heard enough of that to know. Now, this is my private material. I, I even have like porn tape. <laughs> old jokes that I wrote my first year that I'll go back and look like old premises or, or just ideas. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like I wrote everything down, bro. You gotta like, pick and choose. Not all this is going to be funny, but that's part of the process. You know, that's the, you got to figure out how to write jokes. You got to figure, find your voice or whatever, whatever they say. And that's all part of the process, but God, it's, a, that's, it's funny. The find your voice thing. The reason I got into stand up and even, in it into podcasting was because I, I actually wanted to write and I was writing dark comedies and uh, every comedian I reached out to said, I do, I don't know a good comedy writer who hasn't done stand up. Mm. You don't need to be good at stand up. You just need to do it because the way they, they, instead of find your voice, it was find find the funny. And I'm like, uh -huh. that's, that's it. You don't need to have a consistent voice. You just need to be funny. That's it, man. So. End of the day, I don't. I that's the thing I, I get. I'm old school though. I'm I'm, I mean I'm 47 now. I started at 38, but all of my mentors and friends and people that taught me the business were old school road grizzled road comics. So I didn't come up in this acceptance of, oh, let's all be friends and it doesn't matter if you get laughs as long as everybody likes you. They're like, you didn't get laughs. You're fucking not funny. Fuck off, Laminac. Get out of here. Right? Like I mean, that was <laughs> road comic. Go be funny. So like I see a lot of these guys that are they want to be edgy or, and I say guys and girls too, but they want to be edgy or and it's like, nah, just be funny, man. No, at the end of the day, no one gives a shit how smart you are. Just be funny. Just go say funny shit. Like don't, <laughs> especially early. And you know, yeah. if you want to get to, if you get to ever get to the point where you're George Carlin and you can go up there and I mean, dude, I like, I loved Carlin, but that dude didn't make me laugh. I never really laughed at Carlin. Right. It was intriguing. It was interesting. It was thought provoking. Right. But at the end, it was like, all right, he's just up there making points. He's not making me laugh. Yeah, I'd vote for him for office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just making points though. So like, yeah, then yeah, just go. You can do that later. Go, go be funny. Who gives a shit right now? Yeah. By the way, uh, here's how prepared I am. I have a, a cup of ice. Look at you. You got more ice. Oh yeah, I had a cup full of ice. Uh... <laughs> 
this this may be a problem i had a cup full of ice i poured the uh the melted ice into my glass i was drinking out of yeah and, you uh, you need an intervention you got fucking standby probably, yeah. ice and yeah 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 you went from Stay, day drinking to, to standby ice like i don't even <laughs> i drink a lot and i didn't even think about standby ice I was like, I'm, I was, I'm like the macgyver the of alcoholism i see that jesus <laughs> You're you give me a rubber band, I'll find out a way to get fucked up. <laughs> I think I can smoke this rubber. It might make me high. I'll figure out a way to make myself happy. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I'd i be remiss because the other thing I love that you do is the sports stuff. Yep. Um, so uh, you, you started with ESPN Houston. Um, you do the Barry on Deck show, mm-hmm. uh, and then the Houston Sports Show. You produce that. You're on that both kind of thing. Oh, yeah, it's a it's 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 a I host, produce, and have my own segment on Houston Sports Show. So it started where a buddy of mine, Jerome Solomon, we did radio together off and on. He was he had his own show on ESPN Radio here in Houston, um, and then when I got to ESPN Houston, he was gone, but he was a fill in. And we met through radio. He filled in one day for my co-host, and we just became fast friends. And Jerome's a well-known um, columnist here and nationally. He was he wrote he was a columnist uh, for the Boston Globe for a long time, so very well respected. And um, he just liked what I did, blending humor and comedy with sports. And so one day he approached me. He was like, "Hey, man, I want to do a TV show about sports here in Houston." But I want it to be fun. I don't want it to just, I don't want to do the same old boring talking head sports show. And so, so I want you to be on it and I'll give you your own segment. You can do whatever you want, whatever you want. I was like, oh shit. Okay. So I was like, you know what I think would be fun is doing a weekend update version uh, or a weekend update style newscast, uh, but with sports. So you just take the sports headlines and you write jokes. And so, he goes, done. If that's what you want to do, do it. So we started and I went out and got three of my comedian buddies. And I was like, Hey, you want to help me write jokes? And they were like, yeah, it's like, I'll pay you, but it won't be much. And he was like, oh. they were like, all right. So we literally have three phenomenal comedians, Suntran, Chris Rogers and Kanis Nana who write jokes for me. And they are hilarious. And they, they're, they make me way funnier than I am every week. And uh, yeah, we just, we turn out episodes. Well then uh jerome now has seven tv shows that he produced so he's like i want you to produce and host the show and here i am pretty cool yeah and it's it's great that you've mixed the uh mixed comedy with the sports yeah uh and (laughs) i i i i'm I'm gonna bring this up even though this episode won't be out for two weeks so this will be old news but i two things i saw in the news today and I, I have to bring up sports because that's another thing that just last year I started doing a sports podcast for this kid who's got a independent Florida uh, website covering sports. And we've nice. started doing YouTube videos and stuff like that. You covering the Bulls? Are you covering the Rays? What are you covering? I, my podcast covers the Rays and the Lightning. Okay. Um, I'm not a Bucks fan. So, fuck okay. That. Well, I, I see i see uh usf bulls all over the wall back there so yes yeah Is there's a florida and, state banner no that's a saint is that a saint that's banner? saints yeah up okay. there okay. saints rays and, and there's pick a, a goddamn Steven side Stamp would you over here okay i'm i'm all tampa except for the saints that's 
that's so weird. That's weird. I, I yeah, think if people weird. are going to go out of market for one sport, it's always going to be football. Go to New Orleans? Why would you go to New Orleans? I was three years old, and my parents gave me football cards, and I like their jerseys the most. So oh, I'm, a, wow. I'm, a, I'm a loyal fucker. You literally <laughs> just picked a team like my wife picks horses. Yes. Oh, look, this one's pink and purple. I think it's going to win. Jesus. Okay. Well, I'm just, we'll put I'm, our life savings on that then, babe. <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad at least I picked the Saints and my story wasn't like the Vikings because it's like, eh, it's not the, like, black and I mean, gold. You didn't exactly it's like, pick right. a storied franchise. You had the goddamn Dolphins in state. I mean, you cut, you know, the Dolphins have the undefeated season and Shula and Marino and Larry Zonka and fuck. And the Bucks you had went those the, cool you went the Saints, whose nickname until Sean Payton arrived was the Aints. Jesus. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't it wasn't uh it wasn't the greatest childhood. <laughs> <laughs> I got bullied a lot in school. I grew up an Oilers fan, fan, so I completely understand. I well, listen, I know we gave you our castaways. You got Bum Phillips and Earl Campbell when no one gave and, a shit about those and, guys. And Ken Stabler. Yeah. <laughs> he was a cast off when you got him. We got him after you. <laughs> true. Very true. I, uh, yeah, I was laughing about that, by the way, because my parents got me this gift, a Dallas morning news uh, book that covered, pulled every saints article that they could. A really cool book, by the way. Very cool. um, and one year, I think I'm forgetting. It was probably 82 or 83. They were talking about Archie Manning leading the Saints to victory over Ken Stabler and the Oilers. <laughs> the next year, it was talking about Ken Stabler leading the Saints to victory over Archie Manning and the Oilers. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, these were not two good franchises. Yeah, these guys <laughs> sucked. They just traded shitty old quarterbacks. Yeah, we had yeah. Earl Campbell. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Bum Phillips. Too. And yeah. Bum Phillips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a, an interesting article to be like. Huh. Archie Manning got beat by Bum Kenny and uh, and Earl Campbell. Yeah, they just swapped mediocrity. Yeah, Good hey, times. they were great players in their time. <sighs> yeah, not when they played for either of our teams, but yeah, they were. <laughs> I mean, Earl was, I guess. Well, Earl, Earl yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> rough, rough going back then. Uh, but but anyways, I di- I didn't know if you saw the news. One thing that really, as a as a Rays fan, uh, incredibly pissed me off is the apparently the players and the owners agreed to ban shifts. Yeah, banning the shift and make the bases bigger. Yeah. No, I'm super confused. And a pitch clock and a, and pitch, a pitch clock. clock. That yes. was the three big things. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. I get the pitch clock. That just makes sense. The bases being bigger. Huh. I I'm 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 uh you're gonna get more uh more safe calls, which is gonna increase offense. So you can st- uh, stolen bases less probably. less injury. But I think the, the question becomes yeah, stolen bases, bang bang plays. Uh my question is though, how big are you making the base? Right, right now a base is 15 by 15, if I'm not mistaken, 15 inches square. I mean, if you go if you go too big, then you're just gonna look like a bunch of buffoons out there, <laughs> right? Like, oh, it's 48 inches. Like, who's getting a four foot base? But if you go like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna increase it to 17 inch. What the what? Like, what? It doesn't. So there's got to be like, I don't know. Are they gonna go to 20 inch bases? Me personally, I don't think you touch the bases at second, third, or home. I think you just add an, an outside the line base for plays at first base where the runner can 
run to that bag on the outside, kind of like old school softball or, or, or peewee baseball, right? Well, you got two bases there. There's no risk of injury, stepping on ankles, anything like that. If there's a play at the plate or a play at first base with a pitcher, they only have to go for the inside bag, not the outside bag. It just makes a lot of sense to avoid injury. I, I, think, I think they're trying to increase offense. And I'm like, really? You think three inches? If three inches made a difference, trust me, I would have had a lot more sex in high school. <laughs> I, I think so. Two things. One is what they should do is make home plate like the the uh, the goal line in football. You mm-hmm. Once you break. So so you don't have to touch the plate as long as your hand crosses over break the, the plate. plane. Oh, when they yeah. have pylons. That would be cool. that, I mean, for safety issue, like I, I can see not, you know, your hand not getting down. We don't need to worry about your hand getting down as long as it crosses over the plate. Okay. So like they say, the goal line extends forever. The plate goes right. up. It goes up. It's vertical forever. instead of horizontal. Okay. I like it. So that would have made sense. I don't think that's part of it. But stolen bases is going to go crazy with the, even with a couple inches because it's, I mean, that gives you what? Uh, two inches more on the bag gives you what? Uh, a foot more on your lead. Well, you got to double it. I mean, you think about that. You, you, the, I mean, first base is going to be a little bit bigger too, or if you're going from second to third. So uh, you can get back a little bit quicker. So, the, you know, like, it, but it, again, it just depends on how big are we talking. If it's two inches, who gives a shit? That's not that, you're not saving lives but, but with a 17-inch base instead of a 15. And if you get too big, it's going to look ridiculous. So I don't know. I didn't see how big it's going to be. Um, it, yes, it's, will it increase or decrease the number of out calls? Sure. But I mean, is that, you know, the, how, how much is that really going to affect? I think the shift is the big one to me. Yeah, the, I agree. The shift was the most interesting one. As a, as a, as a fan and former employee of the team that really started the, the shifting, uh, yeah. I, I mean, why it doesn't make sense to me. They shifted Ted Williams. It's not like it's a new thing. I it's mean, one of those things where, it, it, you know, the, the shit, the oldest saying in baseball is hit them where they ain't, right? And if you if you have become, and the game has become so one-dimensional, hell, we got to the point where statistical nerds, they came up with the true, was it the three true outcomes? It's either yeah. a, a home run, a strikeout, or um, what is it? Oh, a walk. It's like, what? Yeah. And then guys that make a living hitting 200 with 50 home runs are making millions because they're, they're three true outcome guys. They're either going to strike out, walk or hit a home run. It's like, what the fuck? What are we doing? Like, I don't know. I, I, the game has evolved so much, but that I think you've got to let the shift evolve with it. But at the same time, if you can't figure out how to beat the shift, that's really on you. I mean, but I understand they want to increase scoring and, but that would be the equivalent of, I mean, and even in, in basketball, they used to not allow the zone defense, but now they've, they've backed off of that. You can run some semblance of a zone in the NBA. It would be the equivalent of for a while. uh, And you might know this just because you're in Florida, but the Tampa Bay bucks and the Tampa two defense was a, a stifling. Mm-hmm. And it would be like football going, well, you know, Tony Dungy and Tampa Bay has figured out how to stop all these offenses. So we're not going to let you guys run the Tampa two. figure out how to beat it. And I say the same thing in baseball, figure out how to beat the shift. Hey, guess what? Learn how to lay down a bunt. 
Jesus, you know, and that's what they want. They want you to bunt. Okay, then get on base. I don't know. That's just as a baseball purist, which I'm a purist in that regard. I mean, I love the DH and some other uh, things. Yeah. But I'm like, just fucking learn how to bunt if you don't like the shift. Don't just ban it because you can't beat it. But that's yeah, it's a stubbornness that annoys me. It's they're not they don't try to beat it. I mean, mm-hmm. very rarely does that lefty with nobody on the that side of the, the infield. Very rarely do they turn and just bunt the ball. No. And, and, and most of the time when they do, should. they mess up the bunt. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. It's, it's like, bro, it's it's not it's not rocket surgery. Just get out there, lay the ball down and run like what, what the fuck are you doing? No, it's yeah. So, so that disturbs me. And then uh, I'm a saints fan. So the other news that, that I got uh, after I got back from my oil, (laughs) yeah, Calvin Ridley. (laughs) Uh, The weirdest thing about that was he was fucking live tweeting his suspension. Like he's, I saw a tweet where he's like, I bet 1500 bucks. I don't have a gambling problem. I'm like, Whoa, wrong tone, buddy. (laughs) Dude, don't do that. That's funny. I didn't know he tweeted that. That's uh, that's, when I was doing my show today. Somebody tweeted. I was like, I'm usually one of those guys because I do my show live. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to need proof before I believe you guys in the chat and what y'all do, what y'all say. And then I started getting hit up with all kinds of links. I was like, holy shit, this dude's a moron. Stupid. man. I I don't understand why guys these these days think they can get away with shit. You're not going to get away with this stuff. Just you're just not. Don't even it's not worth it because his. This coming season, he's suspended for 2022. It was his biggest contract so far. He was going to make $11 million playing for the Falcons. Now he's going to make zero because he wanted to gamble. And I promise you, he lost money gambling. And now he's going to lose $11 million. At least. What a fucking <laughs> idiot. The, I mean, the, the press release said he's suspended for at least the oh, 2022 oh. season. Well, and that's his final year of his contract. You think any team's going to want to give him another 11 million? No, bro. You're, you're about to make, if you're lucky, you'll make a mill or two. You just cost yourself so much money. He's going to have the, uh, uh, Josh Gordon type. Yeah. yeah. We'll pay you the minimum. You keep your, keep your Come nose clean. It. And yeah. yeah. Stupid man. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. What? <laughs> and, and look, I would feel bad for him, except for he plays for the Falcons. So, <laughs> of <don't>. course, <laughs> of course, that's that hater in you. I get it. Yeah, and look, I'm I'm sitting here, and I'm the guy who's like, Alvin Kamara was justified in beating that dude's ass in Vegas. Don't give me shit about Alvin Kamara. Bounty that guy gate. started yeah. shit. Oh, you start shit at a bar, you deserve what you get. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't argue there. Yeah. Well. I think legally you're not allowed to just, you know, beat the shit out of people, but that's what they say. Street justice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Barry, uh, (laughs) before I, I, uh, oh, there was one other thing I wanted to bring up. Sure. How many times have you heard a comparison to Rob Riggle? Not a lot. I, I, really? You, t- you talking about after a show, like on stage? No, or? no, 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 no. Just your. I, I I watched a bunch of your YouTube, and even talking to you, I'm like, he reminds me so much of Rob Riggle. Just I've his- never gotten Rob Riggle. That's interesting. I really? have. I mean, people after a show, and I used to do. You know how every new comic always makes jokes about what they look like. 
Uh, and mine was, I would go on, cause I wear glasses. I don't wear them when I'm doing mm. stuff like this, but I would go on stage and, and, uh, I would always compare myself to make loving. And, uh, that would, you know, and, and then a lot of people with my glasses on will tell me I look like Ed Helms, the dude uh-huh. who lost, from, uh, the nerd dog from the office. And they'd be like, you know, like the guy from the hangover that lost his tooth. I'm like, Hey, fuck y'all. Okay. Hey, Rob uh, but, Riggle was uh, a cop in the hangover. So it's well, see, there you go. It's uh I should be in the next hangover. Yeah, I don't I've never heard Rob Riggle. That's interesting. That's oh it's high okay. energy. You got the good voice. I don't know. Oh, I got a good voice. Tell my wife that. She's like, would you just stop talking? Oh my god. <laughs> Thinks it's annoying. And and uh yeah, I've been there. Uh that's you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, better luck to you <laughs> but uh uh i was gonna say i'm kidding but no no i'm not kidding good luck to- <laughs> like, no, I'm scorned. I hate her. Yeah, my wife is amazing i can't complain at all this is my second marriage too so i'm i'm good uh oh. she's she's a uh she's an angel and so uh yeah she's this there, is it for me there, there's hope for me after all no much uh, yeah there it is <laughs> so barry before i let you go where can uh you know you know what I'm going to ask you about plugs. Of course. Uh, so where can everyone find you? <laughs> yeah. So it just depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for the comedy, everything is online at Barry is funny. So if it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, MySpace, you name it, it's at Barry is funny and spell Barry with an A, not an E like an asshole. B-A-R-R-Y. Barry with an E is like a strawberry. It's not it. So at Barry is funny on any social media platform. That's also my website, BarryIsFunny.com. And that's where my schedule is and stuff like that. But uh, if you're looking for sports stuff, uh, every day I'm live on Twitch from 2 to 4 p.m. Houston time, Monday through Thursday. Uh, so that's twitch.tv forward slash Barry on deck, not Dick Barry on deck. And oh. then on Fridays, it's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Houston time. So just find Twitch Barry on deck and you'll see me. So sorry, I subscribed to Barry on deck and it. Well, that's my only thing to four. Yeah, that's my <laughs> it's just me sitting on a picture of Dick Van Dyke's face. <laughs> OK. All right. There, there you go. You made the cleanest pot. That's that's dry bar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a professional. What can I say? <laughs> well, Barry, thank you so much for joining me. I had a great time uh, chatting with you, and uh, uh, I'm sure my audience will greatly enjoy it. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me. Thanks so much. Hi, listeners of this fine podcast. My name is Joe Nolfo, and I have a show on YouTube that you should really check out. The Joe Nolfo Show... Link to the channel is in the show notes. ...is a comedy sketch show that takes absurd comedy to a whole new level. It is written and directed by the fine mind of Joe Nolfo, and it stars notable great comedic actors such as myself and the not-quite-yet-a-motley-crew players which includes the host of this very podcast you're listening to, Jeff Macalino. Subscribe to the YouTube channel now so you don't miss out on season three of this comedy journey. Thanks for hitting that subscribe button. I'm Joe Nofo, and believe you me, I'm gone. Well, that was it. That is the episode. Thank you, Barry Lamanac. Uh, I'm surprised. I, I, I listen even to the recording. I'm surprised he doesn't get the Rob Riggle 
comparison more because to me, I close my eyes and, and, uh, or if you're just listening to the audio version of this podcast, that's, that's who I envision. Uh, but a lot of that's just, you know, high energy, uh, fun, fun personality. So, uh, Barry had a great time, uh, talking with him. Uh, I had a great time talking with Barry is a better way to probably word that sentence. I'm, I, I never admit to being hungover, but I will admit I was having a hard time reading the uh, Pure Hemp Botanicals ad. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe I can I can sense I'm not at my uh, my greatest uh, powers at the moment. So I uh, probably should have had something to drink before I even bothered recording this intro and the outro. Uh, but hey, if you're still here, kudos to you. Uh, hey, do me a favor. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. One of these days, a kid's going to have to teach me how to TikTok. And then, uh, you know, you can follow me on there too. Rate and review the podcast anywhere you can. Apple, Spotify, IMDB. Uh, give it the maximum amount of stars and I'll like you the maximum amount of, of appropriate likeness. Um, that'll do it. Barry was a real fun guest, and I have many, many more uh, great guests lined up for you, some of whom I've already recorded with, and some of whom, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm recording an episode the day I get back from uh, Costa Rica uh, with an astrophysicist, so that'll be a few weeks out. Um, oof. Gonna need to get my head straight for that one. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how much of a machine I am uh, with how I get through that that one. Um, but a lot of fun stuff on the horizon. Uh, keep your eyes here or your ears here. I don't know. Whatever organs you want to keep around and on me, it's it's cool. I'm a pretty affable fella. Uh, all right. Peace. <laughs>